Welcome to BitFaced. A lot has happened in pop culture in the past two weeks. It's not often you get two of your most anticipated movies of the year, back-to-back weekends, and also one of the most anticipated games of the year in the same time frame. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We will be doing a full Infinity War episode with the whole BitFaced crew next week that'll come out, but I really wanted to get my thoughts down today. So... Luckily, I've got good friends that'll drive down at the last minute, not only to go see Infinity War with me, but also to podcast and get get some thoughts out there. And I cannot think of a better person to sit down and talk about not only Infinity War, but we're also going to talk about God of War and Super Troopers 2. Joined today by my co-host from Tap In Geek Out. He's been on BitFaced a ton of times, and you definitely know him, Doug Lund. Doug, welcome to the BitCave, and thank you so much for coming down last night and understanding that your best friend is the most introverted extrovert extrovert ever (laughs) and would have no problem going to the movies by himself on a Sunday morning, but going to the movies by myself on Friday night, I don't know, it kind of gave me a creepy vibe, but that's okay. You got to come down and, uh, and go with me yesterday. We got to see Infinity War. We had great seats. Oh my God, we did great seats. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was a good, uh, it was a good experience. And I guess I'll start by saying, I really liked the movie. I thought they did a good job with it. Uh, I see a lot of people online were disappointed with the ending. I think you have to think, though, this is part one of two. We're getting part two next year. Doing an Empire Strikes Back style ending is the way to go, correct? I don't know that they had a lot of choices. Um, If you've done any reading, which I don't know if you've had a chance to, because I know that you'd been kind of shielding yourself from that uh, prior to actually sitting down and seeing the movie. But uh, one of the challenges is to make something that will stand on its own and can be viewed as just that movie and still be a satisfactory experience. In a movie that's literally the culmination of 10 years and 18 movies worth of efforts to get us to hear where we are, I don't know that they... I don't know that they accomplished a decent standalone movie because everyone in the theater, you could hear the reactions was like, what the fuck? And there's a difference between a, an ending that is uh, a little disturbing and kind of puts you into the uncanny valley and something that seems incomplete. And I think it actually fell into the latter category. I think that's fair. I, I thought the movie was, uh, I don't know. I, I think it does stand on its own. And before we go any further, I just want to warn you guys, if you have not seen infinity war, super troopers Two, or God of war, Stop right now, because we are going to get into spoiler territory, as we always do on BitFace. So if you haven't seen any of those three things, go experience them. Go see Super Troopers 2 in the theater, for crying out loud, this weekend, and then come back and listen to the cast. Um, They crammed a lot of movie into Infinity War. It was a pretty brisk two hours and 40 minutes, or, or whatever it was. I felt it sagged a little bit, but you have a lot of characters that you have to kind of put into play one thing you and i both noticed last night we cap and and tony still haven't talked after civil war that doesn't happen in this movie at all right it comes close they they mean to and it it never quite happens so they're saving i i what i hope is to be an emotional reunion for the the final avengers movie for is that that would be phase four at that point or is this is the last infinity war the last movie of phase three 
Yes. Okay. Which you said we get next May, correct? Right. One year from now. So we don't have to wait a long time to see where this story is going. No, and I'm... We should probably keep the the focus on Infinity War, but I'm going to be really curious to see what they do with Ant-Man and the Wasp. And we know Captain Marvel is... uh, 80s, correct? Uh, yeah, 80s or 90s origin story. So that shouldn't be affected. But presumably the next Marvel movie that we get in July is going to be a world in a world where half the people are dead. And I don't I don't think they're they're doing that. At least the Ant-Man and Wasp trailer doesn't lead me to believe that. I'm gonna think that maybe we're going back in time for Ant-Man and Wasp, that it's gonna take place pre Infinity War, but but I don't know. Yeah, how do you uh <laughs> How do you do a movie in where where half the people are dead? Because that that's what happens at the end of Infinity War. Right, half of the people on Earth, just like every other planet Thanos has inhabited, die. Total carnage. And I, I guess they could like run it at the same time, and maybe the end of Ant Man and Wasp is like they see half the people around them dying. I think they have to tie it in somehow. I agree with you, and I hope they do. Just the vibe I got from the Ant-Man and Wasp trailer was a fun, like like the first Ant-Man movie, a, a fun film. That Ant-Man movie fits in with the Marvel Universe, but it's pre-Civil War, so it was a lot easier a piece to fit into the puzzle. But chronologically, didn't it happen like where it was supposed to, like after whatever previous Marvel movie and before the subsequent Marvel movie. It did. And this takes place, Infinity War starts immediately after Ragnarok, like five seconds after Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Thanks for bringing us back to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tangents are going to happen. but And they set the tone really early. I mean, we see uh, both Hemdall and Loki die in not PG, quite PG-13 fashion. I mean, it's, uh, Loki's death in particularly was not something I would call kid-friendly. No, and I think it really does a good job, though, of establishing who Thanos is. And one of our biggest problems, yours especially, with the Marvel Universe and superhero movies in general, has been the lack of a really good villain, besides Loki, who they kill in the first five minutes of this movie. I thought Brolin and Thanos completely delivered. Let's be honest, this is an Avengers movie, but this was Thanos's movie. He has to have more dialogue than anyone, any of the Marvel characters, maybe Tony. Would you agree? I think he was featured more than than anyone in the flick. This was Thanos's flick. I, I think he was, and I think that was to the movie's benefit. I, I told you that, um, first of all, I'm really glad I saw this a second time before I sat down to talk about it, because my opinion of, of this film before I saw it with you last night was pretty pretty different. I I left the theater after my first viewing disappointed. And um, that happens a lot, though. So on on this second viewing, I I corrected some of my opinions and noticed some things that I I didn't before. To your point, though, uh, it is the Thanos movie, the the not fucking around Thanos, Uh, a, a strong, fully fleshed out Marvel villain. I don't know if I really agreed with like his driver, because at the end of the day, he was what, like a conservationist? <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of paint him as, I'm killing half the people so the other half of the people can can have a great life. Right. Which, yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense than some of the other villain plans that, that, that I've heard. It uh, absolutely does not. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't. I think there's lots of ecosystems that you could look at that you would benefit from uh, uh, the culling of a population, 
but to do it blanket across the entire universe is just fucking ludicrous. But it's no, a no, comic book movie. It's ludicrous. Exactly. That was my whole point. Like, I've read a lot of comics and a lot of villain plans, and this one I was like, oh, okay, that's, I, I, I get it. I see where he's coming from. I don't agree with him, but I see where he's, where he's coming from. Fortunately, it was so well acted and the CGI was well enough that it didn't fucking matter why he was doing it. You just got to sat back, sit back and enjoy watching Josh Brolin chew up the fucking scenery and you know pop people's heads. Yeah, it was a uh, he he did an amazing job. In fact, I think all the performances were really good. And you're looking at a film where you have to feature what 16, 17 different heroes. 41 named characters. 41 named characters, okay. And all of them kind of got a beat. Everyone kind of got something to do. I don't really feel like anyone was left on the sidelines, except maybe for Scarlet Witch, but only because I think she's so underused as being an Omega-class mutant. She should be the most powerful person there, and we kind of get to see that at the end of the movie, but but not completely. It. She's been a disappointing character ever since she was introduced. It was Ultron where we first Ultron, saw her, her in, Quicksilver. in action, right? Yeah. Why have we not seen a gloves-off Scarlet Witch at this point like doing the things that she's capable of doing? I, I don't know. That was my biggest question last night. That, and I guess they're saving this for the second film, but what's going on with Limp Dick Hulk? I didn't like that one bit. I thought for sure one of the shots near the end of the movie would be Hulk breaking out of the Hulkbuster armor. I mean, that's got comic book written all over it. Why didn't they do that? And what's going on with with Banner? He had no problem being Hulk and transforming in Ragnarok. Right. and, And we get to see him at the beginning of the movie. He gets his ass handed to him. Is that what caused it? I was a little confused by that. Everything that we know so far would suggest Hulk took an ass whooping. Hulk has, we've never seen him take an ass whooping in the MCU before. So he's a little humbled and uh, yeah, at this point, impotent. I mean, he he can't get the the green up any longer. And apparently that's a payoff that they're saving for the last movie too, is uh, him getting his (laughs) groove back. And I I don't necessarily know if if I liked that. I hope that it, it will pay off. I did like Thor's arc and God, the when Groot made the axe out of his arm, I I was creaming in my pants. I thought that was amazing. Thor definitely has the 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 most fully fleshed out arc from start to finish. Uh, he's there in the opening shot and uh, is one of the the survivors of the the population. What would you call that? A, a culling? A, a thinning? <laughs> Yeah, and Thor basically gets picked up by the Guardians, and that's how we finally get the Guardians tied into the overall Marvel Universe. One of my favorite jokes in the movie is when they cut to the song, and you know, I can't remember the exact song, but you know. Rubber Band Man. Rubber Band Man, okay. And then the screen just says, space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. I, I laughed pretty that's hard at joke. that. There was a lot of humor. In the movie, and I think in a movie where you have Loki choked to death in the first five minutes, a character that we've known for a decade, correct? Right. I think you have to have jokes. And I thought some of them were really good, and I thought some of them were just okay. I think in every movie there's good jokes and and okay jokes, right? Not everything's going to land with everyone. Uh, The things that I noticed that I think I took issue with is that sometimes 
they transition from really powerful emotional moments to humor poorly. And the one example that stands out is when Quill has Gamora at gunpoint. They could have held that moment and really had it had some impact, but then you get bubbles coming out of the end of the gun. And that's because Thanos used presumably his reality stone to prevent Quill from killing Gamora because Thanos needed her for the story. And uh, I just, I, I didn't like that they went to humor straight from something that was, I'm getting ready, ready to kill the love of my life because it's the right thing to do to bubbles. I, I had a problem with that too. Um, I thought that Pratt sold Star-Lord wonderfully and I thought that was one of the best moments in the film that was ruined by not necessarily, an in, it wasn't necessarily an instant joke. It was Thanos using the reality stone, but at the same time, that, 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 that scene could have been done differently. And the bubbles get a throwback later during a big emotional moment, and there they totally didn't work, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, again, uh, same same characters even involved. Um, Gamora trying to take her own life, and she ends up with a handful of bubbles instead of a, a, a blade that was intended to do the job. I I didn't like that, but that's okay because it, we're talking about two scenes in a uh, you know damn near three-hour flick that... Maybe didn't work a little bit, but overall, very satisfactory. Let, let's stay on Quill for a moment because, okay. uh, like you said, great performance. He had some of the best jokes in the movie. The banner, the banter with Tony Stark was something I, I could sit there and watch a whole movie of Tony versus Star-Lord. <laughs> that sounds great. But He really showed the most emotional range in the last act of that film. You could tell that... Quill was mad. You could tell Star-Lord was even more pissed off than than Iron Man was. And his anger caused them to fuck up. I mean, without his fuck up, do they get the gauntlet? Probably. Like and so that's got to come back. You, you saw Peter Parker had the it was on Thanos's fingertips and all they had to do was get that gauntlet away and that was the big problem, right? right. They, they had the gauntlet, then you deal with Thanos after that. That was the whole plan was just to get the glove and run. Right. Take off with the stones and then figure it out, which was a, a pretty good plan. So they they had him. There, there's a lot of people that said in this movie, I'm never going to do this. And then they end up doing it, which really fucking pisses me off. You know, just I, I think it's a little lazy in the in the writing department. But Quill was ready to take the shot to kill Gamora to do the right thing for the greater good. And then immediately in, you know, several scenes later succumbs to his feelings and fucks up his own fucking plan that would have brought Thanos's reign of terror to a screeching halt. Yeah, I guess. And I guess we'll see how that, that pays off. We also saw, well, he's dead. So, (laughs) well, everybody's dead. Everyone except for the the, original Avengers, original Avengers. uh, Natasha lived war machine lived. Tony lived. Hulk. Rocket. Rocket. Yeah, the original four. Thor, Captain America, Tony Stark, and Black Hulk. Widow. Black Widow. And yeah, they're they're all still around. I wonder if that means something. I'm I'm kind of thinking it has to. Was it just was it just random or who knows? I mean, how I guess you open the next movie with, with them figuring out what they're gonna do. Yeah. Because yeah, spoiler alert, everybody's dead. Except, except them. At the end of the movie, we watch almost every hero in the Marvel Universe turn into Ash. Right. We watch a very emotional scene of Peter Parker dying in Tony Stark's arms. Really good. 
he can we can we talk about that a little bit? I Tom know. Holland fucking nailed it, and I think there was two moments in the theater where I pumped my fist into the air, which I am want to do like a dork when I see something exciting. And the Iron Spider reveal was amazing. We'd all seen the suit. We had not seen the uh, the arms right. yet pop out, and as soon as the arms popped out, I, I got a little excited. Yeah, and it was that's the the Iron Spider suit straight from the comic book. I, they didn't do any kind of like visual adaptation at all. And it worked a couple of scenes, like some stills that you could take from that, that I'm certain I have seen in, in comic books before where he's kind of hanging from the legs, perched kind of hanging there in midair. And it just, it, it really worked, uh, especially in the context of, of the scene um, when they're, they end up on a, Oh God, what, what race are the, the black order? Or are they different races? Thanos' crew, they end up on one of his ships. One of their ships, right? The Flying Donut. Yeah. And Peter immediately starts in with the 80s references. What would you feel about that? Loved it. Loved it. He was like, have you ever seen this old movie called Aliens? And I knew at that moment, I was like, oh, they're going to knock him out of the airlock or, or, or something similar. Peter saves their asses. Technically, that might be Parker's first kill. Peter Parker kills him. He kicks him out, and we see him freeze to death in space. Does he kick him? I thought Tony, or just Tony caused the explosion and he just gets sucked out. I thought Peter... That's Maul, right? Yeah. Gets just sucked I'll out. I'll have to watch it again. But yeah, that and that was, I mean, that was Parker's plan. Right. I, I love Tom Holland. I love what he does to the character. One of my other favorite scenes in the movie was the scene on the school bus where Peter jumps out of the window and puts on the makeshift crappy Spider-Man um, hood and takes off to save the day, I was freaking out. I was like, that is what Spider-Man should be. They finally have a Spider-Man that plays like he does in the comic books. He is the naive kid. He's always the, uh, oh, we're using our superhero names. Well, in that case, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Which was another one of my favorite parts of the movie, just how naive uh, he was. Uh, I thought Cumberbatch did an amazing job. You I, totally buy that he's Doctor Strange. At least I do. I don't. He was one that stood out to me as uh, very over the top. And it, that could just be my opinion, but I was paying attention to it on, on the second viewing. And he does, does not come off near as genuine as the other characters. And I know he's only had the benefit of... One movie. One full movie. Yeah, he did a cameo after... In Ragnarok. Yeah. Um he just he doesn't seem to embrace the character like so many other people in this MCU does. That's just my opinion. I thought he did a good job and he obviously Doctor Strange knows something that he's not revealing. He gives Thanos the final stone to save or not the final, the second to final stone to save Tony's life pretty easily for something he had been protecting the entire movie. I mean, I think his first line is we have to protect the time stone. I'll do anything. I'll kill you and Spider-Man to protect this stone is, is essentially what he tells him. Correct? It's exactly what he says. Yeah. I will. If you guys die, I don't care. I'm, I'm supposed to per- protect this. I liked the banter between Stark and, uh, and strange. I thought it was very, very close to the comics. Is it, does uh strange drop a douchebag in <laughs> the comics i had a problem with that (laughs) i that's peter quill can say douchebag all day long peter parker can say douchebag all day long dr strange i think he's a little bit above douchebag right oh yeah especially since it's immediately on the heels of uh hitherto unknown (laughs) 
which is kind of a throwback to, to, uh, to Avengers. Uh, does your mom know that you use her drapes or whatever? The first line uh, Tony has to Thor. Yeah. Um, I, I totally butchered that, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. They did a good job of, of putting everyone together and some of the pairings that they picked. I never thought I would say that one of the most emotional moments in the movie was a conversation between Thor and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. That uh, I love that that duo too. I do too. I hope we get to see I get to see more of that. And you got to see a little bit more emotion from Rocket, I think, than you've even seen in the Guardians movies. The whole line when Thor was depressed, and he's like, "Well, it's time to go be the captain." Time that to was be the captain. That was so poignant for me. It, it worked perfectly. And that's not a pairing you you think you would uh, you think you would see. Correct? Did you walk into that movie thinking, "Oh, I can't wait to see the adventures of Thor and Rocket"? Yeah. Uh- snarky ass rocket who really starts to take some of the the weight of this whole problem onto his own little shoulders and we see thor break down and cry for really good reasons because he's talking about everything that he's lost over you know the the last few months of, of his life which is his entire fucking family i want to know do they not have rabbits or raccoons on asgard <laughs> They ran that joke a little into the a ground. little into the ground. I thought it was funny the first time, and then um, I guess it kind of pays off later when he was like, "Meet my new friend, Tree." <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was done well. A lot of humor. To- I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. There was a lot of jokes in the last twenty minute action sequence, and the Russo brothers they can shoot an action sequence. One complaint I have about modern movies is it's the Jason Bourne effect. I don't ever feel like I know what's going on because the camera's moving so... Oh, my God. They move their camera fluidly. You see, you know exactly if someone throws something, someone catches it in the next shot. It's very... um, They have a very good... um, What do I want to say? Interpretation of space on the screen. I agree with that. And there was something else I was was looking for in in my second viewing here. And I wanted to get one good visual of that horde of creatures that they're fighting. I couldn't now after seeing the movie twice, tell you exactly what the fuck that was or what it looks like. It just was a constant fucking blur. Like they didn't show one clean shot of whatever the fuck that thing was. You're talking about the, the mob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they didn't, but maybe that was intentional. Maybe. Because there was two shots in it the movie. It kind of looked like a Venom-type creature, though, didn't it? Did. It did. It was very... Uh, I think there's one shot where, and you've seen it twice, where it opens its mouth and you see like the long teeth. Yeah. There was a couple bad CGI shots, one of them being the first shot of Thor taking down one of those um, one of those giant ships. I yeah. was like, wow, that's, that's shit. Come on, $280 <laughs> million and you can't clean that up? <laughs> Other than that, though, I thought the special effects were... Uh, I thought the, the visual effects were good. I thought the color palette of the movie was good. Ending the movie in Wakanda, extremely smart. That's where we just were. In fact, Black Panther is still in the theater. You can go see Black Panther this weekend if you want to. And they're even saying that uh, Infinity War is causing Black Panther to have a little bit more of a box office boost. Sure. And it's already the number one comic book movie isn't it i mean it, it's past everything at this point even the uh, original avengers and uh, avengers thursday was right in between force awakens which is number one and last jedi which is now number three so they had a good they had a good weekend and i think to not that i want to get off on box office because i can talk about that all day but i think avengers has legs 
the next big movie that comes out is Deadpool in three weeks. Yeah, it, it would surprise me if this one didn't pass Black Panther just because it is literally what people have been waiting to see for 10 years. This is the movie that they built towards from the very first Iron Man. Well, I would say based on the success of the first Iron Man, they knew Feggy at that point said, all right, this is the direction that we're going to go. And they started to put all the pieces together. I'd say since the first Avengers, that's the first time we saw Thanos, correct? I'm, I'm with you that it all started with Iron Man. First time we get a glimpse that we're going to maybe see the Infinity War story is the, the teaser scene at the end of the first Avengers, correct? Um, unless you believe that in uh, the first Avenger that the Tesseract was always going to end up as an Infinity Stone because it's, it's very possible that they already had that figured out. Oh, no, they did. I'm positive they did. Glad you mentioned the first Avenger. Biggest surprise in the film, besides Captain America having an Atlanta phone number, Red Skull. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone saw that one coming. Nobody did. I'm sure you heard me gasp, like, huh? Like, what is he doing there? Like, I never thought we'd see that character again. And who did you say is playing him? Because it's not Hugo Weaving. It's not. Uh, Hugo hated the fucking makeup, so they cast... Uh, I believe his name is pronounced Ross Marquand. He's on. He's Aaron on The Walking Dead, if you watch that show. And uh, great actor. Even better than his acting are his uh, celebrity impressions. Look it up on YouTube sometime. This guy can do damn near anyone, and he's really fucking good at it. And he did a pretty bang-up Hugo Weaving impression. I had to ask you after the movie. I was like, I don't think that was Hugo Weaving because it didn't quite look like his face. But I was confused because the voice was spot on. I don't get to say Denver represent very often, but Ross is from Denver, so uh, a little piece of Colorado love in this movie. Yeah, which was uh, filmed in Atlanta. I I still want to find out. I'm going to call that number because as soon, <laughs> I don't ever talk during a film. Anyone that goes to movies with me knows I keep my mouth shut the entire time. But as soon as I saw Cap's burner phone number, I leaned over to Doug and said, Cap's got an Atlanta number. <laughs> I don't talk during movies either, and I interrupted you once to make a point to uh, to show you that uh, Tobias fucking Funke was in the goddamn background on the uh, Nowhere scene. I love that the Russo brothers, this is officially the second Arrested Development reference I think that they've had. There was one in Civil War, you can see the stair car, the Bluth family <laughs> stair car in the background. And in this movie, you get to see like shorts, blue dude, mustache. I mean, and it even said, doesn't it say on the, I caught it very quickly. But there's a nameplate, doesn't it? I, I don't remember a nameplate. Okay. And I did not catch that on my first viewing. I, I had read something and wanted to make a, a point to, to, like I said, point it out to you. It makes me uh, it makes me very happy that the collector has Tobias Funke. And, I mean, come on. Tying in the Arrested <laughs> Development universe with the Marvel universe, that's pretty cool. And it's also, I think, a really good way of the Russo brothers to give appreciation to where they came from. How long until we get a community reference? I don't know, but I hope soon. But we'll just have to settle for Never Nudes and Nowhere for right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so Benicio Del Toro's, the collector's dead too, right? Who knows? Because I don't think we ever actually saw him. We just saw a projection of, again, I'm going to assume it's the reality power, the reality stone. Yeah, Thanos has a lot of power. Pretty much all of them now. The, uh, The space stone lets him jump around. Uh, through his blue portals. The the purple stone lets him just fucking knock shit down and blow shit up. The green one lets him jump through time or at least affect the stream. The red one can make 
make people fall apart, change reality, deconstruct it, reconstruct it, whatever. What else am I missing? We didn't get to see a uh, well, Mind Stone power. Not really. And, and, of course, he uses the time one at the end of the movie to fuck everybody over. Right. But the Orange Stone is the big mystery. I mean, we, we know that the, the Time Stone's going to play a part because Strange goes from, I'll never give this up, to, oh, here you go, Thanos. And the Soul Stone... One of the, the scenes that I like the most, but I have no fucking idea what it means, immediately after we get the finger snap straight out of the comic books, did you notice what it did to the gauntlet? Yeah. Fucked it up pretty good, but while he's got Thor's new Stormbreaker hammer axe buried in his chest, Thanos goes someplace immediately after the snap into a, an orange-looking realm, so you'd assume it's like the soul realm, Little Gamora is there, and she asks him, is it done? What did it cost you? And and he replies, everything. That, that's got to mean something. I really like that scene. It was emotional for a, a bunch of you know weird, non-human-looking characters for, to pull off a, a scene like that. What do you think that's setting up? I wish I knew. I don't know where they're where they're going with this because uh, they've already there's things from the comic that are already off the table. Right, I would say, I I don't know where where you pick this up, and I think that's the kind of ending that they needed to deliver, and they did. I mean, everybody walked out of that theater last night with a what the fuck look on their face, except you, obviously, because you'd seen it before. <laughs> but I mean, there were visual cries of. No, yeah. at the end of that movie in the theater last night. When's the last time you went to a movie and that happened? Ah, uh, I I can't think of the last time that that people were obviously vocally in anguish. <laughs> I, and I I think that's how you have to do it. I think if if Thanos doesn't get to win, how good of a villain is he? Because now I mean, think about the comeuppance that we're going to get to see in the second movie. I mean, I have no. The, the heroes are going to obviously succeed. That's how it works. But yeah, it, you gave Thanos his victory. Is it? I'd really like to see some of them not succeed. I don't think Gamora and Loki come back. You don't think so? Maybe Gamora. I think Loki's done. And the only reason I say maybe Gamora is there's a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out. And we talked about this last night too, and I'm just going to call it the Chewbacca problem now. <laughs> But there's a scene at the end of the solo trailer where you think like Chewbacca might die, but we know Chewbacca doesn't die because he's in The Last Jedi. He's, he's still alive in the Star Wars universe. We know we're getting a Spider-Man movie. We know we're getting a new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Black we Panther know for two, a fact we're getting Black Panther 2 after right. the box office that that did. So T'Challa can't be dead. Peter Parker can't be dead. And Gamora may or may not. I mean, you can do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie without Gamora. I don't think they're going to. I don't think so either. I'll tell you what I think. Orange Zone, Orange Stone, right? Gamora died so that Thanos could receive the the Soul Stone. She's trapped in some realm because she was the first person that was sacrificed uh, t- to deliver that stone to him. It's conceivable that everyone else that that is killed in the the calling, the, the snap, the half the population, I'm really going to have to come up with a better phrase for that. They end up trapped in this Soulstone world to this other realm. We saw Gamora in that scene because she was the first one that was put there, and maybe she appeared as young, and that's because that's just how Thanos remembers her. Yeah, or... his manifestation of whatever, or that's just 
a form that she chose because she knew it would be impactful. Or who fucking knows? We don't know the rules for the, the Soul Stone realm, but we do know that's a thing in the MCU, that uh, there is some connection between being murdered near it or by it and ending up trapped in its realm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, well, luckily we only have to wait a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I left that film very happy with how the film turned out and also uh, in anticipation of how they're going to wrap this up because that the final Avengers movie ends like the first or the third phase or whatever. Correct. Yeah. You told me that earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, and we get Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and Wasp in between now and then. Correct. In in the opposite order, but yes, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp in July. And then I want to say Marvel's, Captain Marvel. It's either got to be a, a holiday movie or like a February March next year. And that's that's the, next year. the stinger at the end is Maria dying and Samuel L. Jackson sending a message to uh, also dying right. and sending a message to mother, f- mother. Yeah, which was cool. Uh, message to Captain Marvel. That's that's how it ends. So she's out there somewhere, somewhere. now. Um I wonder if she isn't going to be, she's got to be like the ultimate most powerful weapon against, to be used against Thanos, right? Like that's why they're calling her in at this point. She's the big gun. I think so. I don't know a lot about Captain Marvel. I don't know a lot about her at all. I well, didn't... shit. I was just about to ask you all these questions about what her powers are and what they could be setting the stage for and why she would square off well against Thanos. I mean, Thanos. she can fly. She's got energy bolts. Uh, she can. I'm just basing this on the video game, but she's very, very powerful. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, what happens with her? So that's you said that's next May. Uh, Avengers Four is next May. The okay. still untitled Avengers Four is next May. A very spoilery title from what we've heard. So that's why they haven't revealed it yet. Right. I mean, you figure with it coming out in May, we're going to have a trailer for that before the end of the year. I would think. Yeah. At least a teaser, correct? We probably get a teaser. Oh, you know what? They'll do a teaser for Super Bowl. We might get a full-blown trailer for Super for Bowl. For Super Bowl? We might get a teaser with Ant-Man and Wasp. I mean, that's July, so that's still a good you know, two and a half, three months from now. And it's it's shot. They're just in post right now? Didn't they film them both at the same time, Back to the Future 2 and 3 style? No. They filmed them back-to-back, but they didn't film them simultaneously. There was a little overlap, and they still have reshoots that are planned for like the last quarter of this year. Okay, I I think they're going to do multiple endings and 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 try and keep this thing as hush hush as possible. I'm I'm crossing my fingers for a, a fucking curveball to something that we've never seen done before. I think the Russos are going to blow our fucking socks off. Let's hope so, and I'm looking forward to seeing this one again. Also looking forward to seeing Super Troopers 2 <laughs> again. <laughs> and let's talk about that for a little bit. I think it was six years ago, five years ago, you made a bet with me that that movie would never come out. And last Friday, you got to sit in a theater with me and 10 or 11 of our best friends that all flew in from across the country to see Super Troopers 2 with us. I mean, that says a lot about a movie, a movie that can bring us all together. Not that we all wouldn't have gotten together to do something else anyway, but the fact that it was released on 420 
everyone came into town. We all grew mustaches, or most of us did, and we went to the went to the theater to experience uh, a sequel to one of our favorite comedies. I thought it I thought it played well. The third act I thought dragged a little bit in the movie, but I thought the jokes were great. And to be fair. It's a broken lizard movie. I normally don't really love them until five or six viewings in when I get a chance to see all the jokes. We were in a packed, sold-out theater. Love it. There's jokes I missed because we were laughing so hard over the original jokes. I, I thought the I thought the lizards did a great job with it. I mean, I had a couple issues with some of the pacing. I thought the comedy was there, and you could definitely tell that they were that they were passionate about it. Oh, absolutely. It's funny because every time you tell that story about the bet, it's like it gets longer in years. <laughs> it was uh, it was almost it was a little over three years ago. Okay, um, and I know because that was the weekend that I did my first recording on Bitfaced with you and and Tyler. I think Tyler was there. Uh, episode four would have been three years ago, right? Yes. So that was when you had just found out about the Indiegogo project to get it off the ground. And that that's the weekend that we made that bet. So it, it's three years. Three years. Well, we got to see it. I was very, very happy to, to see it. And uh, yeah, it's, it is absolutely something that we're going to have to see again. I know we didn't hear half the jokes, not only because we were laughing so hard, but there's, they're so rapid pace that it's impossible to keep up and, and catch them all on the first viewing. And, I absolutely want to continue to support this project because I want more Broken Lizard content. And I think based on the strength of this movie, they might have studio interest again. Kevin and Steve joked about it this week that if we don't hear anything in the next three weeks about the next project they landed, it's been it's been nice hanging with you guys is kind of how they put it. <laughs> oh, now, really? Yeah. Well, they were like, look, this is how Hollywood works. We did well. But if we don't get something soon, that means that they still don't think there's any interest. Now, the studio expected them, or the projection was for them to do six million the entire opening weekend. They did fifteen. Yeah. So the money has been made back completely. I just looked before we got on the cast, and they've done another four since then. So they're up to uh, they're up to nineteen million, which makes it that ma- officially makes it the highest grossing Broken Lizard movie, right? I think it is going to end up being the highest grossing Broken Lizard movie in the theater, of course. Right. With a movie like this, though, when you add in what the Blu-ray is going to sell. Oh, my God. Yeah. It'll make more money on it'll, sales. And, and they haven't. Um, they just launched in America. It has not come out in Europe or in Australia yet. It has come out in Australia. Oh, sorry. Australia it has, but Europe it has not. Yeah. It was like four countries. Um I didn't see Canada on that list, but I also don't know if they include Canada numbers in the U.S. box office. I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. And I know they did at least a screening in Canada. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the movie got completely shit on by critics, which... Ignore them. I, I, I don't think that you... Um, I don't think critics really... I read some of the negative reviews, and I don't think they get it at all. I think they, they don't realize how fucking old and lame they are. Bottom line, if you like any of the other Broken Lizard movies, they've all been shit on by the critics. But if you like them, go see this one because it's right in the same vein. Same people, same quality jokes. Just fucking go see it. Yeah, go go out and see it in the theater. If you haven't already, you've you probably already seen it. One of my favorite lines in the movie, though, is when <laughs> Farva's looking at Emmanuel Shriki's rack. And she says, my eyes are up here. And he says, you don't look at the mantle when you're stoking the fire. <laughs> I laughed for about five minutes in the theater at that. Ket Heffernan, 
got the best jokes. Well, he he nails that role. I mean that that's the role he was meant to that he was meant to play. Not saying that it puts everyone else kind of in the background, but he owns every single scene that he's in. Uh, the Mounties too were absolutely hilarious. You got Will Sasso, Tyler Labine, and Hayes MacArthur all doing their Canadian accents. Uh, Rob Lowe is in the flick. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I don't think anybody really picked up on this, but when the lizards arrive in Canada, the first person to welcome them to Canada is Bruce McCullough from The Kids in the Hall. And you want to talk about a blessing or a passing of the torch from one amazing comedy troupe to another? I think that's what that scene represented, and I think that was on purpose. I think Broken Lizard was like, look, if we're going to go to Canada, if we're going to do Canadian jokes... We need a blessing from the kids, and I think that's exactly what they got. That was one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. In fact, I knew it was Bruce in the long shot. (laughs) He he has a distinct shape shape to him. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I saw the long shot and saw the guy walk out of the the booth, I was like, oh, my God, they didn't, did they? Oh, of course they did. You said you don't think anyone picked up on that. I promise you everyone in our crew picked up on that, and and – I have to give some credit, I guess I would say, to the average Super Trooper viewer that if they're into that kind of comedy, they, they know Kevin. You mean Bruce? Bruce, sorry. Yeah, Kevin wasn't in it. I was waiting, though. I was like, did they get the rest of the kids in the hall? They didn't, but there's a no, lot of good cameos. Um, and a lot of cameos by people that are are friends with Jay. Sean William Scott is friends with Jay. Rob Lowe is friends with Jay. Fred Savage is friends with Jay. So there's a lot of people that Jay has worked with because he's a very successful television director. And I, I think that's how they got them. What's the he movie. doing on, on TV? Right now, um, God, is it the Goldbergs? He'll do like one or two episodes of a show and then do another show. That tends to be the, the trend these days, isn't it? He did Directors- Psych. He did New Girl. He did. I mean, you see his, you see Chandra Sekar's name everywhere. And hell, he was actually just featured not as a director, but as an actor on the second to the last episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, playing himself. So if you're a fan of Chandra Sekar's, check out Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a pretty funny episode. Loved it, though. I'm going to go back and see it. I mean, I as soon as the Blu-ray gets announced for release, I will order it. It's the kind of movie I'll watch 15 or 20 times. It was good to see them back, man. I mean... When Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 does like 40 million opening weekend, I'm glad to see the Lizards can at least get 15 because it's way better jokes and it's way better comedy. And I, I think it's it's better thought out. It's better humor. I, I know I'm in the minority. I know the rest of America would. We we really are. What does that mean? I, I know that we have a, a, a higher appreciation for this movie. We're, we're colored. We're biased, right? Completely. I, I helped kickstart it. So for someone who isn't a Broken Lizard fan, how much enjoyment do they get out of this movie? I mean, I think the jokes are universal and they land, and you either appreciate that style of humor, which they refer to and I refer to as smart dumb, or you don't. I, I don't know. They they were an acquired taste for me at first. I didn't love Super Troopers the first time I saw it. I definitely didn't love Club Dread like I love it now the first time I saw it. Beer Fest, I did. Yeah. Beer Fest was the first one I was like, okay, I get this now. But I didn't love Slam and Salmon either the first time I saw it. This I, this I love, though. I might like this one better than the first Super Troopers. I'm going to have to sit down and watch them back to back. Oh, God, that sounds like a great afternoon right there. Oh, we'll have to do it sometime. <laughs> we'll start like a screening at 420. Watch them both. Do like a dinner break in between. 
So on your afternoons where you're not taking in nostalgic favorites, how are you spending your time lately? Me? Oh. That was supposed to be a setup. For I didn't know if we were done. <laughs> were you setting me up for God of War? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. Bad, I, bad I, transitions. Oh, God. Well, how long has it been since I've been on the line? You said at the top of the show, like, I couldn't think of anyone better to sit down with me. I'm like, I can think of 15 people <laughs> that will give you a better cast than I'm about to. <laughs> Sorry, Doug, Doug's a, Doug hasn't been casting for a little while, and we're not going to go into why, but I, I completely twisted his arm to come sit down with me today. Because also, dude, you have to keep your instruments sharp. Oh, absolutely. I noticed it in the three and a half weeks Tyler they, and I took off. They're, yeah. It gets sloppy. They're not sharp. I am not sharp. I apologize to everyone listening to this. <laughs> I have been playing God of War, however. Actually... Your son has already completed it. He has. You have started your playthrough. I'd say I'm about halfway through. They took the same approach that they took with the Tomb Raider reboot. We're going to see Kratos in a new light is kind of, I guess, how the story is presented. And the game starts off with you're not in Greek times anymore or in Greek land. You're in Roman. Right. Uh, Well, no, you're presumably in some part of Scandinavia because it's the Norse gods in mythology that are the narrative. See, my friend Ben calls them Norse too. Are they not Roman? Odin and Loki and Thor? No, that's, that's Norse mythology. Then what's Roman mythology? Well, okay. So Roman and Greek mythology, there's a huge overlap there. They all kind of shared the gods, but they called them different names like, uh, Zeus and, uh, Oh God! And Odin? No, because he's the the Norse equivalent. Is it is it Jupiter? Uh, okay, huge overlap between Greek and and Roman mythology. So it is Norse. Okay, it, I, I it was absolutely. Thinking, is why am Norse. I thinking that it's Roman? I, I don't know. Those two are easy to confuse for me. Um, the only thing that ever really gives it away is it's very easy to spot a Greek name versus a, a Roman name. So it's like, oh, it, well, that must be from that mythology, but it. They've all got the same gods. They just call them different things. Well, so we're we're in the Norse gods, and the other God of War games, all eight of them, have all been Greek gods. Greek, right. Not that uh, that you don't get back to the Greek in one of the greatest reveals in, in gaming history. So good. Um, so yeah, if you haven't played the game, please stop listening. <laughs> but uh, the game really starts off with um, it's kind of slow-paced, no chain blades. You've got an axe that kind of operates like Thor's hammer. Yeah. You've got very, very much very dark souls combat. Very different than the more Devil May Cry style of the original God of War games. Story I would compare to Horizon Zero Dawn in the way that it plays out. There's a lot of elements of Uncharted in the game. There's a lot of elements of Metroidvania titles in the game where you'll run across something that you can't get to and you have to get a different item to open it. The game is gorgeous. The story is amazing. I I know if you're a God of War fan, you've probably already picked this up, but the first five hours for me were okay. The second 10 hours of the game blew my doors off. So give it some time. Let it sit. Let it um, absorb it. And the kid is annoying as fuck. But I tell you what, have you ever hung out with a nine-year-old? They're annoying as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. He gets worse, too. Oh, worse than where he's at now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's realistic. For a great reason, too. I. 
I'd like to sit down and talk about God of War with you again after you get done playing because okay. Eric, th- this game, I-, I didn't expect to like it much at all. I mean, well, not as much as I ended up really enjoying it, and I'm my playthrough is still quite early on, but I liked it so much. I have never sat down and watched watched someone play a game from start to finish, and I watched Connor in all 20 hours of his playthrough. That tells you how enjoyable it is just from an observer perspective. The story, we talk, we haven't talked on air about the camera work. Fire the game up, and from the title screen, as soon as you hit the first button, pay attention to the camera. It's something that you and I, I think it took me six, seven hours to notice that it's one shot. The camera never cuts, and you move it. But you don't, there's no cutscenes. Everything between the dialogue of the characters to the battles to the boss fights are seamlessly integrated. And I think yesterday I compared it to Uncharted, but done on a whole new level because Uncharted was always very good at seamlessly transitioning between the cutscenes and the actual action. This takes it to an entirely new level and it really works with the narrative i mean without that camera style without watching that camera style for 10 hours does the athena reveal work no it doesn't oh god but it works perfectly the way that they did it that's got to be um 2018 the biggest goosebump scene for me was athena get out of my head and i was like oh shit okay i know what's going on now this i can't wait to see where the where the story goes I imagine this is going to lead us to a sequel to this. God, I hope so. I, I've heard the game is selling well. Uh, Sony is doing nothing but knocking it out of the park left and right. That's that's what they do. So if you have a PS4, go out and pick it up. The game is beautiful, too. It's it's Horizon Zero Dawn pretty, if not maybe prettier. They It is prettier, and it's because they didn't go full open world. You're still in traditional God of War style, pretty much on rails. There's a little bit of exploring that that you can do. In fact, exploring is part of the game, but not run anywhere you want to climb up any surface like you can in Zero Dawn. So by virtue of that, they were able to to put more detail in what you could see because they were, you know, were obviously saving cycles and storage and memory and everything on the stuff that you couldn't. And they even kind of took a, a cue from Grand Theft Auto when you get into your canoe and are sailing around, they the characters tell stories to each other. And it's one of my favorite parts of the game. Right. And I was going to ask you this, and I, I need to do research. Is this the second game where you've had a severed head hanging off the back of your belt? Because the first one that comes to mind is Michael Rosenbaum's head in Lollipop Chainsaw. And as soon as I saw that mechanic, I was like, I wonder... Is Lollipop the first one to do that? Has that been done before? Lollipop's the first video game I remember where you have a, a severed head that hangs on your belt that talks you through the game. And that's exactly what they do in God of War. They do. Also, again, to, to great effect, uh, I love the banter from, what what is his name? I, I was just trying to think of it and I can't remember. <laughs> um, I don't know, Eric. I've never played another game. I haven't played Lollipop Chainsaw and I sure as hell have never played another game where there was a, a belt, a, a talking head hanging from your belt, heavily featured. If you haven't played Lollipop, James Gunn wrote it. Go back and play it. I don't think it's backwards compatible, though, because I wanted to pick it up again. But it's a lot of fun. Plus, you get Rosenbaum. Imagine the head of God of War as Rosenbaum. And, I mean, come on. Do I need to tell you anything else? That's the greatest game ever, right? That does sound pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> 
So I'm I'm just wondering if that's where they got the if that's where they got it from because as soon as he put the head on his belt, I was like, what is this lollipop chainsaw? Loving the game though. Um, if you're a fan of God of War, even if you're not a fan of God of War, I think pick it up. If you like action games, again, it's very Dark Souls up until the halfway point, and then as soon as you get the chain blades, that's the first time it feels like a God like of a God of War, War game. game. Yeah, but you get so used to that axe that I find myself, even though I have the chain blades, I'm switching off between the two. The axe has functionality that the chain blades don't. Sure, but against ice enemies, the chain blades are invaluable. And we've obviously been conditioned as gamers because both of our first thoughts was, "Oh, I've got the chain blades now." Well, that there goes the axe. No. No, you have to use the... In fact, I think against some of the bigger giants that the axe is better. I haven't done the math yet, but I think the axe hits harder. I thought they were going to take the way, take away the axe like completely. Or at least when you're in uh, Helheim, the whole reason you have to go get the Chaos Blades is because the Frost Axe doesn't do damage to anything frosty, the stuff that's in Helheim. So you got to get something with firepower. You're very specifically directed to do that. So I thought they were just going to take the axe out out of the game altogether, but they, they don't. They left it into to great effect. You just get a whole new skill tree with the Blades of Chaos, which is really cool. Also, to anyone playing the game, Doug and I had the same reaction to the little kid. Give him a chance. Not his dialogue, but give his combat abilities a chance because I've got him bumped up all the way now. I can shoot shock arrows that chain to other enemies. You have to get used to using him. Uh, if you're a Souls player or a Nioh player or a Bloodborne player, you're just going to want to be focused on block, attack, stick, move, and damage. But now you have him that can distract the enemies. I'm using him to beat the witches. In fact, if you're having problems with the witches, three shock arrows, and then Kratos is able to hit them. He does a really good job. At the beginning of the game, he's absolutely fucking useless. He's useless. He doesn't do any damage. His arrows, might as, he might as well be spitting on the enemies. But as you bump him up, as his his bow gets better and his skills get get better, I really like having him in combat. In fact, he saved my ass a lot of times, which I think is good. If you're used to that soul style of combat, though, you are going to fall right into this. It's going to be like a jacket you've worn your whole life. You will put it on and you will you will feel it. Doug, you, however, have not played a lot of souls, and I was bragging on you last night because you didn't even know how to lock onto the enemies. <laughs> no, and God, what a, what a big difference it, it makes. I was in the first fight, and Connor warned me. He's like, this is a tough fight. Like, they do not fuck around. You're going to get thrown right in. Like, this is the, the measuring stick. And uh, uh, I think it took me two tries to beat the stranger. I think he knocked me down once. I'm definitely not used to that, that style of combat. It, it's a little unforgiving. It is far less unforgiving than any God of War game that you've played before. So it might take you a while to get used to the the combat. If you are able to parry, though, in the Dark Souls games, the parrying in God of War is way easier. The windows of opening to, to parry the shots, I think, is a lot more forgiving than the Dark Souls games. I am I at least am parrying a lot easier than I do in Dark Souls. Yeah, and... Get, get that down quickly because you're not going to get very far without a decent parry. Block. Roll. If you've seen the Dark Souls videos where people are always rolling out of the way, there's a reason for that. Yeah. That's the way you don't get hit. And also, unlike Dark Souls, one of the mechanics in this that's taken getting used to, you have one health bar. There are no health potions. The kid can heal you a little bit, and I've got a, a talisman I can put up and get like a pube 
of life back. That's it, though. When you walk into a fight, that's your bar. If you take damage, you're not getting it back. So you really have to play a little bit more conservatively, especially in the boss battles. I'm sure you saw Connor fight the Thor's sons. Mm-hmm. That was brutal, man. That was like a 20-minute battle for me, kiting one of them around while I was... Yeah, it, it was very similar, uh, not as difficult, but very similar to the Orenstein and Sma battle in Dark Souls. And in a lot of the fights, you get ads that will drop the green health stones or whatever they're called. Look around the arena, too, for the um, the urns. If yeah. you break those, a lot of times they have health stones in them. In fact, do that during the Frost Giant battle or the bridge. What is he, the bridge keeper or whatever? Yeah, the, I think that is what they call I wouldn't have made it through that battle without... Uh, Without those health stones. That fight sucks. Well, and picking up the health stuff, it takes time. Like, there's a whole animation that goes with it, and uh, that it may not be worth it a lot of times. Or you have to kite them so far away from it and then sprint back and, and grab your health. It's uh, it's challenging. The kid is good at helping distract the enemies, too. That That's true. And you, it sounds like you unlocked an ability where he's healing you. I think the only one I've seen so far is that if you do take fatal damage, he brings you back with, like... Oh, the resurrection. The resurrection. That's an automatic one. No, I have it to where, and it's random. He doesn't do it all the time. But if my health drops or I take a big hit, he'll throw me one of the green things, and I don't have to use it. I automatically get the chunk of life back. And I've kept the power on that. Now, my buddy Ben, props to you, Ben. I know you listen to the show, and you're one of the best gamers I know. Uh, 100% at all the Dark Souls games. That's all I need to tell you right there. But anyway. Well done. Yeah. And Bloodborne. Jesus. Uh, he told me that he has a power that slows down time. And that's how he's been beating some of the Valkyries, is he slows them down and messes them up. The kid does or Kratos does? I think, is it the kid or maybe it's, I think it's the kid. or and Atreus, he's, right? Atreus, yeah. And he's also got a power that slows down the axe throw so that you can completely target He's been telling me about a lot of shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's already, like Connor, he's already finished the game. In fact, uh, I think he beat it the same day Connor did. So you've taken down the bridge keeper, and you got the heart to heal the boy who was sick. Uh, I ju- that's where I am. I just got the boy back. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask you. Have, and then I took off on side quests. Have they, uh, have they had the talk? About what he is? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's when he really starts turning into an asshole. Okay, so he's an asshole. He's not annoying, right? He's an annoying asshole. Yeah, in the beginning of the game, I w- my first thought was like, God, I hate this kid. But then I was like, you know what? If I went on an adventure with some random nine-year-old, this is probably exactly, or is he 10? Yeah, nine or 10. Yeah, this is exactly what it would be like. It's, as a father, one of the things that I thought they did really, really well is it. it's, the appropriate level of annoying and neediness and such an easy method to deliver like a, a quick emotional impact when they need to, because the game, it, it will get you in the feels. I promise you it will. And I was going to ask you that too, because I can't relate to that aspect of it. Not only are you a father, grandfather, actually, you got to play this game with your son. That has to add a different level to the game than I got to experience because I, I'm not a parent. I, I feel some of those emotions, even towards your children. I want them to succeed. I love them to death. If they asked me for anything, I would do it for them within the law and Connor. One of of my favorite things about Connor too, is that as a, Oh God, he'll be 17 in a few days, Eric. Uh, He's one of the very few 17 year old 
males I've ever met that has no problems showing his emotions. So we get to, to share those things. And I, I mean, the game starts with the boy's mother having just died. They are burning her, cremating her and delivering her to her final resting place. You should know from the get-go, there's going to be fucking tears in this game <laughs> from right there. And uh, yeah, to, to your point, you know, um, being able to, to talk about like, when the kid will say something on occasion, I'll be like, oh my God, like I remember when you guys were at that age. And then again, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but the kid just found out he's a God. Imagine what a, a kid at that age, given that kind of knowledge and power, what might happen next with that? Yeah, I, I can't wait to. Fi- In fact, we will continue this conversation after I finish it. I will probably have it finished before the next time we talk. You say I'm about halfway through, a little bit more than halfway. I think so. If uh, yeah, maybe just a little bit, a little bit. I, I think when you pick up the blades is a good, like pretty close to halfway point. Okay. Well, I just I just got the blades. You know me though. I'm. I'm going to do side quests. I like getting the armor. I like bumping my character up. The armor is actually customizable right. this time, which is the first time we've seen that in a God of War game. And one thing that I love about God of War that a lot of other games don't do, when you change your armor, your character changes. You look different in the... Uh, your your physicality is different, which I think is awesome. I don't like a big piece of armor on Kratos. I've been kind of sick into the shoulder pauldrons and, and, and things like that. I think Kratos needs to be buffed out, but you can really use the armor and the different things you can socket into the armor to customize your play style, whether you want more defense like I do, um, or I know people that put everything into strength and just try not to get hit. So whatever style of play that you prefer, you can do that. Uh, there's a lot of different customizable skills on the skill tree, different powers you can get. I highly recommend you learn how to use the shield immediately. <laughs> uh, don't, don't think that... Um, it's it's not bloodborne you have to block yes you have to block even even i don't have a block style and i am having to use the shield more than i want to i'm a roll dodge kind of guy that's just 500 hours of souls games what it's embedded into me but i've had to to go back to my original block style of my first dark souls character so yeah don't don't be afraid to use the shield enjoy the game enjoy every second of it that that's um it's probably going to be the best game that comes out this year I sat down the other night and looked at uh, and looked at lists. I don't think we get a better game this year, Doug. Now I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we get a 2017 this year. I don't think we get close. Uh, I don't think Nintendo we get doesn't have two heavy hitters. In fact, I don't think we're getting Metroid this year. I know you no, think different. You, no. you don't think so? Okay, I, we're not. We're not. We'll get Smash, but Smash Mario Tennis. Uh, we get the new Mega Man this year. Which I'm totally excited about. Oh, that's right. So a Donkey Kong and a Mega Man, but... I just don't see anything else that's going to be at this level. And I think we kind of need a palate cleanser after last year. I'm still playing last year's games. Right. I'm still playing that shit. I'm still playing the DLC on Nio. I just finished the Bloodborne DLC. Yeah, I. this is going to be... It's going to be hard to top, in my opinion. Oh, we get the new Tomb Raider this year, though. Oh God, that's right. In September. Well, that that might be the only contender. It's the only one that I've seen on the list so far because everything else is going to be good. But I, having seen this game through the the complete narrative, can't imagine something that's more fun to play, better shot, better voice acted, the graphics, Boy. the gameplay. I mean, it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, 
if you want to get drunk really fast, play a drinking game where every time Kratos says "boy," you have to to take a swig. Yeah, it's uh, when you when you sent that to me the other night. It's like you'd be dead within the first hour because <laughs> he does he does say "boy" a lot, and I think it's a new voice actor for Kratos. I don't think it's the traditional Kratos guy. I don't I don't think so either. I don't really think the voice matches the Kratos character. I but at the same time. Everything has kind of been reimagined. Um, I think I have the old voice stuck in my head, and it was it was a little different. And not that this one isn't good, though. No, it's just it's uh, that's probably just me personally. Like I still notice it when I'm listening to him. Like that's just a little off. I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but it just feels a little off to me. Doesn't detract from the experience at all. I don't think. Well, thank you for sitting down with me today, so I could get all of this uh, all of this out. I wanted to definitely make sure that we talked about Super Troopers too, because we will do another cast about Infinity War, but I don't think we'll do another cast about Super Troopers too. But if you're a fan of Broken Lizard, if you haven't already, go out and see it this weekend. Support those guys. Marvel's going to get your money. That movie's going to make money. Super Troopers has already made money, but it's really nice to support people that have been working on something for six, seven, eight, eighteen years. And to see it finally take fruition on the big screen. Also, highly recommend God of War. I know I get a lot of emails from you guys about game recommendations. God of War is going to be great. Also, thank all of you for the wonderful feedback we got on the Ed Greenwood episode. I don't think you guys understand how much of an honor it was to have Ed on the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I got a message from a couple of you that you've already listened to it twice which I definitely know you weren't listening to it twice because of my dumb ass. It was all because of the wonderful stories that Ed told us and just getting a glimpse into the mind of a genius. So thank you so much for supporting us. Also, thank you as we kind of moved over from Podbean to Pippa. I know there has been some hiccups and I know there's been some problems with our website, but I have to tell you guys, hey, we're, we're working on it. But as you know, outside of BitFaced, we've got jobs, we've got families, and we've got lives, but we love spending our lives every week here with you. Across the table from me, hopefully going to be across the table from me very soon, <laughs> but probably on our other podcast, Tap In, Geek Out, but I had to get him in here to the BitCave this week just because, for the love of God, I have to get him back on a microphone. So here he is today, and I hope you enjoyed it. But anyway, Tap In Geek Out will be back soon. I don't know when. I don't want to put a firm date on it because we've had a lot of stuff going on. It will happen when I get happiness in my household. <laughs> a dick wad. <laughs> Sorry, I, I totally derailed your outro, which was going great. It, it It's okay. Also, I will not be there at KoboldCon in two weeks. Tyler will be, though. Nick Gochis will be there. I think Carl Brevik is going to be there. And you can talk to Ed Greenwood at KoboldCon. He won't be there physically, but he will be there virtually. He is having a Q&A session. He is going to run a game. If you guys get a chance to sign up for his game, and it might already be sold out. In fact, I'm, I'm probably sure it is. Sit down and play with a legend. And in fact, I barely got Ed to admit it on the show, but someone I think that influenced Dungeons & Dragons even more than the people that created Dungeons & Dragons. When I went back and did the research... There is no D&D like it is today without Ed Greenwood. We were so honored to have him here. And Ed, if you're listening right now, even though I doubt you are, thank you so much. You really made my week. Anyway, from Tap In Geek Out, my good buddy, 
coming down to support me this weekend, Doug Lunt. He's also the chairman of the soundboards today. Tyler will be back next week, though. I am Eric G. Hollis, and we are Infinity. That wasn't bad.